Good morning. Our uh, scripture this morning is from 1 Corinthians. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are of one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make, not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members we treat are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God so arranged, has so arranged the body, given the greater honor to the inferior members, that there is no that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. The word of God for the people of God. Sorry, Deb. Uh, we are in our third week of, um, of a sermon series on our, like I said, on our church values. Um, I just kind of want to show you what those are real fast. Um, take a look at those. So this is um, something that our, our leadership team created um, after our, our strategic retreat last year. And, um, and so our vision, there's, you have your, the church's vision what it intends to do, and then the mission, what it's doing on the ground to accomplish the vision, right? And so our vision is to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ and extend God's table into the world. And we do that through these three things you see on people's shirts. I mean, I, I feel like somebody was here today was wearing one of these shirts. I thought, my husband, there you go, I didn't tell him to do that. Um, <laughs> And so it's courageous conversation, creative community, collaborating for the common good. Um, but we tried to, to understand what that means for us as a community. I think that through Paul's testimony um, two weeks ago, through um, Megan and Carly's testimony last week, that touched on a lot of these pieces, um, not even meaning to. Um, but the courageous conversation means that we are a place that expects that you're not going to have it figured out right? Um, that you um, are on a journey along with a bunch of other people to, to, to understand who God is and, 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 and how the life and work of Jesus matters to your life. Um, 
And that includes speaking boldly and in including unapologetically and then create creative community. One of the things about this place is you cannot be anonymous here. Um, sorry. <laughs> it's not like if you really wanted to slip on the back row and never be seen or never know whether I know whether you're here, you know, uh, you can't do that here. It's just not, it's, it's impossible. And we think that that's a, an actual, that's really a good thing. It's a good thing. To, it's, it's a reclaiming of the small church after decades of, um, of an, a significant valuing of, of the megachurch, right? It's a reclaiming of the small church that says the value of um, this kind of creative community that includes and knows who's there and knows, and knows when you're not there, um, that, that's actually a value we want to reclaim as the church, especially post-COVID. Um, and then imagine, well, not po- you might have COVID right now. It's not post-COVID, but post what it was. All right. Um, and then it imagines the possibilities um, and gathers differently. And then collaborating for the common good is where we are today, um, which for us, that means prioritizing partnering when the church has desperately tried to provide the best service to the community, try to prove its worth and value through being the one who does the good egg hunt versus the other egg hunt. You know, that's what the church has done for decades, right? And so instead we say, um, rather than trying to be the thing in the community, where is the thing happening elsewhere in the community and how can we be a part of that? Um, investing in our community and valuing solidarity in the process. Um, and so if you haven't seen this, this, was also, this is also in your stewardship documents. This is who we intend to be. Um, and this is our, our collective mission. And I'm using our in this kind of royal sense of the word. Um, I'm, talking, I'm talking about something that is, is holistically not about one person. Uh, and the, there, there's another thing that's happened um, in our lifetime, uh, in, in some of our lifetime, so I know there are people here that's happened in our lifetime, um, or has happened in the history um, of our, our, our country that kind of I always think to when I think of this kind of our language, this collective mission, and, and I think about um, the moon landing. It's, it's one of those kind of big capital O-U-R our, our kind of moments, this mission to the moon. It, it, it encapsulates perhaps one of the most effective missions humanity has, has ever done. 1969, so that's not in a lot of our timeline, but some of our timeline. Um, humanity's um, mission to the heavens came to fruition only eight years after you know, JFK said, we must put a man on the moon and he said that in, in 1961, and then eight years later, in a few months, this mission is accomplished. Three men land um, on the moon. Apollo 11 lands on the moon. Um, and do, does anybody have any sense of how many people that took to accomplish that mission? Oh, good, good guess. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, how many people that took, like workers, not counting taxpayers, but just the workers alone, actively working, employ, employed, moving toward this goal, it took 400,000 people. <laughs> it took 400,000 people working for eight years 
towards this common goal. 400,000 people it, it took for, for Neil Armstrong to step off and say those famous words that we all know. Neil Armstrong knew better than anyone else the truth of that statement. Um, that, that statement he said, one small step, but this bigger step for humankind, right? Michael Collins, one of the astronauts on that mission, said it, said it this way, all this is possible only through the blood, sweat, and tears of a number of people. All you see is the three of us on the TV screen, but beneath that are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of others. And, and the images that you, you and I have of those years, like, like this one, are not of the thousands upon thousands. This is, you know, mission control room. We have this picture. This is what we see in our mind's eye. Almost all white men in short sleeve shirts with the same black tie. The, the uniformity is shocking, and, and we think that that's the group of people. Right, exactly. Thank you. But it took thousands of other people who didn't earn a seat in that room, who didn't have a seat on the space shuttle. Their seats were in a thousand different rooms and a thousand other different places, all working towards the same mission. Uh, here, here's another quote from someone you never hear from. This was from um, Eleanor Farker, um, um, who said, we didn't worry too much about it until the guys on the moon started jumping up and down. This was the seamstress for the spacesuits. <laughs> it was a cast of thousands upon thousands, thousands upon thousands of people all playing their role, all working towards this, this common good, this common mission. Everybody wrapped up in this mission. Today we get Paul, now, writing to this early church, writing this 12th chapter, Paul is talking about the mission of this small church. And what is this small church up to? Let's look at, at this passage again. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of services but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. There are thousands upon thousands. But it is the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each is given this manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Humanity has been gazing up at the moon for eons upon eons. Paul and the rest of Scripture seems to say, though, the heavens have been gazing down at earth, wondering how they can break in here. And since the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, it was, it was the beginning of God's mission to, to share life here. And then, you know, like chapter three comes in and we eat the fruit. And then the rest of the story is God gazing down at earth. Maybe that's not the best language theologically, but the rest of the story is God gazing down at earth 
It seems, this seems to be what Paul is talking about. God gazing down at earth and wondering how can I visit that place? We know Genesis chapter 3 the story of Adam and Eve and the serpent, and we know that story. We know what, it, what it's like to, to misuse other stories. We know what it's like to misuse creation. We know what it's like to live antithetically to the image that God's made us in. Um, we know what it's like to get in, all into the messiness of creation and the brokenness here. We know that story. And then you fast forward to the end of Scripture, Revelation 20, and there's this picture of creation like groaning at the end of the story. One of the images is this lake of fire. And the thing is that the church has focused on Genesis chapter 3 to Revelation 20 almost exclusively throughout the years. Where we've talked about the brokenness of creation and creation finally being consumed into this fiery ball while the chosen are taken out of this mess. And so you go to church and you hear this kind of story. You hear this, this story long enough after, over time, you hear that story and you just look at yourself and you look at the world and all you see is, is just brokenness. Okay, I'm broken, and the world is a hot mess, and all I can do is just stand here, gazing up toward heaven, waiting to be removed from this place. But the speaker today reminds us that that's not our mission. Let's read on. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we are all baptized into the body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. We'll go on. So God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within, but the members may have the same care for one another, so that if one suffers, all suffer. To get the mission, you've got to read Genesis 1 and 2, and Revelation 21 and 22 as well. Before the fall, God said that everything was good. All of creation was good. God made everything, the rocks and trees and the advarks and the anteaters, and, and it was good. All of it was good. God made you. And you were what? What were you? You bore within yourself the image of God. You bearing the image of the creator everything bearing the image of the creator and then the end of the story is God finally getting what God wants John says if you didn't know John wrote revelation John says it's a new heaven and a new earth coming together creation remade it's not a separation of heaven and earth but this consummation and so the mission the mission that God's been about ever since God gazed down on creation is this how do I restore and redeem a broken creation? 
How do I restore the image of God that, lays with, that lies within all of my children? How do, I, how do I restore the image in you and you and you? That's the mission. The mission is not this pie in the sky to escape a broken world. Our mission is how we give ourselves to reminding people of the image of God that lays in them. It's, that's alive in them if they don't, may, don't even know it, it's there. And helping them to shape that image and feed that image and grow that image until that's all that they see anymore. That's the mission of God. That's the common good that we are working towards. Long before you and I were, um, were staring up at the moon, God was staring down at us, wondering how God could make mission here. How the common good God testified to at the dawn of creation could break out on earth. And this mission is going to take a cast of thousands upon thousands, millions and billions. This mission has begun in the person of Jesus Christ, and wherever Jesus goes, this mission gets accomplished. And this mission is going to take a cast of thousands upon thousands. You want to know where the mission of God is breaking out? Look at Jesus. Wherever the dead are raised, wherever the blind see, wherever everybody has enough to eat, Wherever enough satisfies, wherever the poor are given hope, wherever the rich are sharing their goods, wherever communities are gathering together and friendships are restored and people help their neighbor and parents teach their children what it means to be kind, this is the kingdom of God, the mission of God taking flesh on earth. And then uh, Jesus starts calling people Come, come, come as you are. Jesus starts calling people, come, you come, be a part of my goodness. As you are, come, be a part of my goodness. Come, be a part of this common mission until we get this little church. For Paul, it's Corinth. For us, it's Kingstown. And this little church, after being around for a couple of years, wonders, what's, what's this all about? And so Paul reminds them what it's all about. Paul says, you are the body of Christ. In other words, you are the way. You are the way that God is taking up room in the world. You are the way that God is doing God's mission in the world. And you don't have all the same parts. Some of you are hands. Some of you are feet. Some of you are stomachs. Some of you are the heads, but it doesn't matter. It, it legitimately does not matter. Find your part and play it in the body because nothing matters but the mission. Nothing matters but the mission. And if you're, if you're impressed with 400,000 people getting us to the moon, you haven't seen anything yet 
when you see the cast of millions and billions of people who are working day in and day out to bring God's mission to earth. And you'll, you'll stand amazed at that. Everyone's got a part. It's this cast of thousands upon thousands. I want to show you something that I've been working on recently. Um, so I've been spending a whole lot of my extra time, extra time not at Kingstown, doing something that I don't normally get, um, I don't get paid for. It's, it's something that I'm very passionate about, though, out of the ministry of Kingstown. But I sit on a, com- on a committee um, in the United Methodist Church in Virginia called the Congregational Development Team. It is the team, the committee, that approved Kingstown for the very fr- its very first funding year one, um, where they approved that we as a church would receive $100,000 to do ministry here, that we as a church would receive um, uh, the pastor's compensation, and it would be incrementally stepped down as the church grew. That's what they gave us at day one. That's what was given to us. Um, I had to apply for that um, from them, and they approved it as, as, we, t- as we grew, and and I had to go back, and I had to give updates and all of that. Well, um, it was our, the planting of Kingstown was, was an initiative under what, it, what was called the All Things New Initiative in the Virginia Conference to plant as many churches as we could, knowing that, 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 that planting new churches was the number one way for growth. Um, the number one, because a uh, little known fact, in a new church like ours, a church like this one, for every one person, a, a church in its first year, for every one person that is in the pew on Sunday mornings, there's a possibility of one new person joining in the pew. That's the ratio, one to one. Um, in a church like Aldersgate, that has existed for more like 20 years, the ratio is for every 80 people in the pew, one. Possibility of one person. The ratio is 80 to one versus one to one. So they knew that the way to grow the church is to start new churches. That is the reality. Um, And so they decided we're gonna start as many new churches as possible. I think they said we're gonna do 200 churches within 10 years. It was not at all what happened. Um, Nice big goals, right? But over from um, 2008 to 2019, 51 churches were planted in Virginia. Kingstown being one of them. Kingstown was one of them. And so I have been sitting on this committee now, now that I'm seven years in, well, more like um, eight years into this, if you add the first year um, before we kind of relaunched. Um, I've been asked to sit on this community, uh, c- committee, and I chair the Lessons Learned Committee. And this year, we were doing a study that looked back over all 51 churches planted from 2008 to 2019 to get a sense of why did some work and why didn't some work. Um, to do that full study that should have been done in exit interviews all along that had never happened. So we had to contact people who hadn't been asked about a church where they were wounded and, and planted this thing and felt abandoned. We had, to, you know, we had to contact them and say, hey, I wanna hear from you now. Will you tell me about this church that you planted 14 years ago, right? Like, um, and it, that didn't work. But we um, in, ended up getting a hold of and interviewing um, 28 of the 51 to publish this report that I compiled and have been working on um, this past year. And I wanted to show you something we asked, what do you think, the, um, looking back over this time of planting this church, what are the three, the top three factors that contributed to the success, thriving, um, uh, sustainability of this church, if it still I- exists? And what are the top three factors that contributed, do you believe, to the decline Um, the lack of health and the eventual closure of a church if it did close. Um, I wanted to show you the top the top factors. So um, after interviewing these 28 churches, 
um, nine, about half of which are still open, about half of them, about, the other half are not. Um, nine of that half, so that's about nine out of 13 of the ones that are still open, say that collaboration, community partnership, is one of the top three reasons why they believe they exist today. Nine out of the about 13 of the churches that still exist say that a culture of risk-taking and pivoting is one of the top three reasons why their church still exists today. And then you can look from there. These were the other things that were mentioned among the top three reasons why you believed that your church became sustainable, is thriving. To the left we have, if you can't see it, um, it says missional clarity. That's what I showed you on that screen earlier. A sense of who you are and who you are not, right? A niche or a willingness to take a stand for something. Churches that were more sustainable were ones that didn't try to be the generic church for everyone, but were willing to say bold things that they knew could isolate some people. Invitation and evangelism, a strong planter, but those are the, le- the, the, the lesser ones. Financial honesty, which you got in a packet this week. Financial honesty about where the church is and where it needs to go was one of the top six reasons. We'll move on. So to the next page where you'll see what those top six reasons, um, so in bold as I publish this, a risk-taking, pivoting culture, a willingness to constantly reimagine the ministry, a prioritizing of community partnership, collaboration, and shared space, a clarity of mission and vision with passionate congregational buy-in, a strong leadership team and or strong all-in co-leader, staff person who comes alongside the planter from the beginning, a willingness to take a stand and tailor the message for a niche audience, a commitment to financial honesty from the beginning, including congregational stewardship, church sustainability, and clarity around the denominational connection. These were the things that made a church succeed. (laughs) Um, But the thing that made me so excited about this was it literally is the mission of Kingstown, number two. One of the top two reasons why a church succeeds is because it's collaborating for the good of its community, prioritizing partnering, working in solidarity, not thinking too much of itself, and sharing space with others to do the work of the kingdom, which is much broader than what the church has ever done before. And so the question is, how do you um, here find your part within this working towards the common good, within this collaborating? First, part of that is just being a part of this church. But then what can you do as a part of this body? If everybody has a part, if everybody is a arm or a leg or a stomach or a head, where do you fall in here? If you need a formula, which is not something I typically like to give, but faith isn't formulaic, I know, but here it is, like your training, what you are trained to do, what your gifts and desires tell you about yourself and about what you can do in the world. Maybe that's professional or maybe that's just life, desire, and training. 
You couple that with your experience. How have you seen the world living antithetically to God's desire for the world around you? What breaks your heart? And then what are you trained to do? What breaks God's heart? And then what are you trained to do? You couple that with, with, with this mission of God at Kingstown, and there is nowhere, there's nowhere but towards the kingdom to go. I want to introduce you today, if you don't already know her, many of you already do, to someone who does that all the time. When I thought of who could I bring up to talk about collaborating in every aspect of her life for the common good, I, I think of Natasha Gannon. Would you come up and talk today? Hey, everyone. Good morning. Um, it's weird to be actually talking into this mic rather than, like, turning it on. <laughs> um, so I first heard about um, Kingstown back in, uh, Kingstown Communion back in 2016. Um, I like to joke that I'm probably the reason that the church continues to send out postcards in the mail because I, I had, uh, my husband and I had just purchased our first home and uh, just moved into the Kingstown neighborhood. And um, we received postcards in the mail from several different churches in the area. But there was something about um, Kingstowns that just stood out to me. Um, I noticed that um, they, uh, right there on the card, they advertised, you know, the uh, ability to give back to the community. So different um, uh, means of, of giving back. Um, some of those were, uh, for example, Sunday suppers for the homeless and um, pub theology, which I thought was a really cool way of the community getting together and delving a little bit more deeply into our beliefs. Um, but I'm thinking back to that time frame and um, all the different changes that were going on. It was, um, you know, we just moved into a new home. Um, we were still reeling from the 2016 election and all of the uh, divisiveness and vitriol that came with that. Um, my husband was uh, just embarking on a, an eighth-month-long overseas detail, um, so I was feeling, honestly, a little bit lonely, and um, I knew that I wanted to do something where I could be um, a part of something greater and, and giving back to the community in a meaningful way. Um, and quite honestly, I was looking for, um, from, for some healing. Um, so I came to Kingstown Communion, and I remember, like, still to this day, how welcomed I felt just right away um, and how I knew I wanted to come back again. Um, I love that there were so many different ways to give back to the community. I loved um, the idea of Sunday suppers, so I jumped into that right away. And there were times where it felt like, um, you know, I, I don't know how we're pulling this off, quite honestly. Um, there were times where I thought, I don't know if we're going to be able to make this work. And we somehow we always did. Everyone came, come, ugh, everyone came together. Um, and made it happen um, when it mattered the most. Um, I see that today with our uh, involvement with uh, Rising Hope and um, Provision Kitchen. Um, all the many different ways that we stay involved in the community and we give back. Um, so being involved with Kingstown and um, all of the many different ways that we give back to the community has inspired me to um, continue giving back uh, myself in my own life in addition to what I do with Kingstown. So um, I kind of describe it as sort of like a snowball effect. Uh, when you start giving back and you start getting involved in the community, you want to do it more and more and more. 
Um, so I, I started getting more involved in a dog rescue that um, I had you know, already adopted my dog from. Um, I started fostering dogs. I started um, working on the team that screens applicants to um, eventually adopt dogs. I, I joke that it was easier to get my security clearance than it was to get my dog. So <laughs> it's very, very difficult. I'm, uh, I, I might seem very nice, but I'm a little bit uh, rougher of an interviewer. So um, <laughs> um, I started getting involved um, in 2020 as a lot of people did in baking. Um, I, I, I was always sort of interested in baking. I loved Great British Bake Off. Um, and then with, uh, <laughs> with COVID, I had a little bit more time and a little bit more inspiration to do it. Um, I started uh, sort of a side hustle, I guess you would call it, where I've um, been selling my baked goods and donating the proceeds to um, various charities. Um, and then also in 2020, I was inspired to um, get more involved in the diversity and inclusion um, efforts uh, where I work. Um, so that's been a huge blessing as well. Um, and then, you know, just kind of why I choose to give to Kingstown Communion, um, you know, every couple of weeks. Um, Mainly, you know, I, of course, I love uh, the church. I love Michelle's messages, but I also love what we stand for, and I love that we give back, and we're so inclusive. Um, I know that when I'm giving to Kingstown Communion, I'm giving to the entire community as a whole. Um, you can look around and see that this is this is a humble church. We're not, um, you know, not to trash talk other churches, but we're not spending tons and tons of money on on luxury items. You know, every morning, or sorry, every every Sunday morning, you know. The trailers unloaded. We're all coming together to make this work and to make this happen. And um, you know, it's it's clear that um, so much of of our budget and so much of what we do is is given back to the community and, and for the greater good. So um, I just love that about Kingstown. I love that that's been a, a priority for Kingstown as as long as I've known it. So. Thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, she she talks about it in a super humble way, but um, if you uh, you know it's she's and she's so unassuming. Uh, if you have ever seen anything on her social media about Tasha's Noshes, which is her um, shout out to Tasha's Noshes, uh, she makes incredible incredible cakes for um, kids who wouldn't have birthday cakes. And I mean it's it's she gives an, she just gives everything away because she knows she doesn't need that income. But she likes to do this thing. And so that's the question. What is the thing that you like to do? Um, what has your training prepared you for? And how can you help um, to give that to the world for the accomplishment of God's mission? Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to be a part of your mission that you... Um, are not in heaven uh, looking down at creation uh, and at all of its brokenness as a distant God disappointed with us, but that you have, you have come to be with us so that we might be the body, your body, God, in the world, working towards healing and wholeness as an extension of your goodness and glory, the goodness and glory of Jesus Christ. We're so grateful to be a part of this mission, God. And we know we can't do it alone. 
that there are thousands upon thousands of others who are uniquely equipped to do this mission as well, even if they don't have the language for it, don't know its importance. We know its importance. We know the gospel. It doesn't even take all of the thousands upon thousands to know the gospel, to do the mission. And so I'd send us out to be, to be in relationship with our neighbor, to do the most good we can. And God, if there's anybody here who is feeling a bit broken and in need of healing and wholeness themselves, and they're like, I just, I can't even possibly comprehend, you know, making cakes for my neighbors when I need something now myself. God, I hope that you would accomplish your mission in them that that healing and wholeness might be real for them. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Um, we aim to be doing things here the Jesus way. Um, one of the ways we, um, we can be a part of doing things the Jesus way, that courageous, creative, collaborative way of Jesus is by giving back to this mission. Um, it, it really, truly, truly matters. We are humble. We don't have much here. We don't need much to do this, but, but we need you, and we need what you have, which is also uniquely, many times, your resources and money, and so we ask that you would give according to, to what you can give. Hey there, welcome, and thanks for listening along with the Kingstown Communion, an inclusive and affirming United Methodist Church in the Kingstown area of Alexandria, Virginia. And our community exists to gather people, just like you here now, into communion with Christ and extend God's table into the world through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. This podcast is just one way that we live this out. For more information about our church or to give to our ministry, visit kingstowncommunion.net And if you live nearby, we hope you'll join us for worship on Sundays at Hayfield Secondary School 